0: Lady, you. um, don't Robin. forget to say hi to our Zoomers. We, I forgot you you. to say hi to the Zoomers, the people that are watching online. Oh, okay, oh well, hi to everyone. Now you're making self conscious. <laughs> I'll just pray over the word. Robin last week said that you were struggling with the word, and I had that. For the last fortnight, when I was asked to share, and I was in the wrong the wrong area, and the Lord changed it, I felt the Lord saying that I was to share on faith. But I believe it's more the object of our faith is where the Lord wants me to share. You know, New Age will say, "Oh, have faith, just have faith." But I could have faith that I'll sit on that chair and it will take me home and I'll be there next week when you're (laughs) all right because it's the object. It's where we put our faith. So I'll just commit this to the Lord. And um, Heavenly Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the word that you gave me. And I ask, Father God, that you bypass my flesh and you quicken your word to me again so that I share the word that you desire me to share. Heavenly Father God, to you be the glory ever and ever. And I just thank you. I thank you for the power of your word, the blessing, and the promise that your word will not return for but it will achieve that which you want it to achieve. And I ask
1: this,
0: Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you. <laughs> right, I'm reading from um, First Corinthians chapter 2, but the main message is in the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk, however you want to say it, but I'll be calling him Habakkuk. I, I have done before, so that's probably what I'll resort to now. Okay. So reading from First Corinthians chapter 2, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, but declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And we don't associate weakness and fear with Paul. You know, he would be the least weak person when you read through the scriptures. But he stood in the power of the Lord. He had all the knowledge. You know, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. But when it came to the Lord, he counted it all as rubbish. He stood in the strength of the Lord. And it goes on in verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age. And I love this, who are coming to nothing. Amen. That's what the word says Amen. about world rulers. They're coming to nothing. And he goes on in verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained. Before the ages, for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They blew up that time as usual. The enemy of our souls always overplays his hand. Amen. Because he doesn't know the beginning from the end. Only the Lord knows that. And what's repeatedly been coming through for quite a while now, um, it's coming from different sources, so we take notice. And what it is that our enemy, I don't even want to mention his name, we all know who he is, and he doesn't deserve to get his name mentioned in a place where we're here to worship the Lord. We're here to give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's not, he can't create He's not a creator. He only copies what the Lord does. He can't create, and I love that. And that's come through repeatedly. Now I guess the message in one one verse is this, and it's in Second Corinthians five verse seven: "For we walk by faith, not by sight." Mm-hmm. You know, um, the end of Habakkuk it says, though so the fig tree." does not blossom though there be no fruit on the vine remember that though the olive fails though the the fields yield no fruit though the flock be cut off from the store yet will I rejoice in the Lord I will joy in the God of my salvation and we can praise God in the good times But we come to know in the bad times, in the hard times. And, you know, the the book of Job was a book I never read as a new Christian. I never read the book of Job. I couldn't understand it, and I thought it was all doom and gloom. And that's not the God that I had come through the Lord on, that a God that would allow this. But when I needed open-heart surgery, then I come to understand the book of Job. I can remember I worked in a rest home and there was a chap there and I, I know there was a bit of bitterness there. Um, his mother was a Seventh-day Adventist and his sister was, and I used to go in and read the Bible. She had partial sight and I'd read the Bible when I was working nights and she couldn't sleep. But her son, I think he did it in spite of them he became a Roman Catholic
1: um,
0: because the seventh day are uh, not happy with the church Rome. but I don't know what his motivation was but I remember when I'm walking down the corridor he said and you're a Christian and you need open heart surgery where's your God well God brought me through it and taught me heaps and I can honestly say that I needed that open heart surgery
1: I believe for healing.
0: I knew God could heal, and I remember driving to work, and I may have mentioned this before here, driving to work saying, Lord, I know you can heal, so why aren't I healed? And the Lord said, Maureen, you want to see battles. You read books, Christian books, about how these people come through great battle, and you want that, but you can't get the victory Mm-hmm. unless you go through the battle. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely right. And I'm going to yeah. teach you. I'm going to, you know that scripture, it's in a, I no, it might be a proverb, proverb of the psalm, that God will teach our hands to battle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Our yeah. arms can lift or bend a bow of bronze. will Well, bronze represents sin. Our arms can bend it in God's strength. We're more than conquerors. The Bible says Amen. that we become brand new, a brand new creation. All things have passed away. We've been born again. Praise and Lord. we used to sing that back in the 70s. But sometimes when times are hard, when the fig tree doesn't blossom, <clears throat> when there's no fruit, when we've put a lot of effort in and we're not getting anything back. And we think, where's God in all this? Where's God? I've been praying for healing in this area. Where's God? You know, I normally ask three questions. When I go through a hard time, I say, have I brought this before the Lord, of course? Have I brought this on myself? Lord, are you allowing this to show me something? And then I ask, or is this a direct attack from the enemy that wants to get me and take me off track? Because it's one of them. It's one of them. It can be an attack from the enemy, or the Lord has allowed it. Just let this happen so that we seek him with our whole heart. Or we can maybe have done something you allow the enemy a foothold. We have to watch that. But when I first started to prepare the message, I um which of there it is now. Um this I looked up um Hebrews 11 verse 1. And then I looked it up in the message, and it says this, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Isn't that true? You know, Steve and I will often say when we hear someone who's died, someone that we know, how terrible to have no hope, for the rest of the family to have no hope. It would just be shocking. You know, it says here it's our handle on what we can't see.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a handle. But we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, in the book of Habakkuk, and I did a wee bit of background to him, it was during a time of moral and political confusion that the Lord raised up Habakkuk. You know, similar to what we're living in now, really. Moral and political confusion. And like Habakkuk, we see injustice all around us, and we wonder why. And Habakkuk wondered why. And I'll be reading quite a bit, and I will keep my eye on the time. Um, It says it right at the beginning, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. And he said, O Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear, even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me this iniquity? And you cause me to see trouble, for plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore the law is powerless, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, therefore perverse judgment proceeds. And that was the cry of Habakkuk's heart. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people out there that have obeyed what they were told to do, and it hasn't worked for them, and they're suffering. And it's like, well, what can we do about it now? And it's like people are saying, just get over it. Just, you know... We're in a new day here. So just pick yourselves up. The past is the past and just get over it. And I'm talking about the last three years. Now, I'm not talking about what Steve and I are going through, but every day or every week you hear about people that are suffering. They're suffering with ill health. They're suffering because someone died. And they're wanting to find out the truth. And they're desperate. But the sources of truth, those that know, are being silenced or they won't be able to practice in their field. And so Habakkuk was living in a time like that where morality was gone. There was no, you know, it's the truth that only God can give. And we can all remember a certain politician who said, we are your only source of truth.
1: And I'm sure
0: every single one of us at that point said, you're not my truth. Here's my truth. This is my truth. Because only God has truth. And we need to seek him. And here's the Lord's reply. He says to Habakkuk, look among the nation and watch. For I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe even though it were told to. Now, I went and took this bookmark out, but I do want to find, and you know, I've still got it there, scripture, and the Lord had laid this on my heart before I read that. I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have in entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for those who love him. We can't comprehend what God's going to do in every single life in this room. We can't comprehend it. It would blow our mind, and here the Lord is saying, for I'll work a work in, the, in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. And who's God going to use? He's going to use you and me. He's going to use us to do his work, and that's where the excitement is. The excitement is, is not just giving your life to the Lord. I love what Ray Comfort says. And I probably share this far too much, and forgive me if I've shared it before, but he said, when you become a Christian, you often think you're in a cruise ship and you're heading to heaven.
1: <laughs> you're
0: not. You're in a battleship, and your guns are aimed at the very gates of hell. And that's our position. Yes. And it's a battle, and we're in it to do battle, but Mm -hmm. not in our strength. Yes. Not in our strength, in his strength. And the Lord says, for indeed I am raising up the Chaldeans. Now that horrified Habakkuk. Mm -hmm. The Chaldeans were a fierce, horrible group of people. And it says here, they are a bitter and hasty nation. They march through the breadth of the earth. This is interesting to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. We know that there are plans afoot all over the world to get people off their land, to get farmers off their land, and not only farmers, but to get people out of their homes. And we won't go down that track, but when you open your eyes, you'll see that that's what the plans are. And it says they are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Well, I know my judgment is not good. My judgment, the best the best decision I've made was to follow the Lord. Amen. And I found that if I rely on my own judgment, I'll muck it up every time. And these people, their dignity and their, their judgment proceed from themselves. Their horses also are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. In other words, they've got all the wealth they need. So what can mere ordinary people do? against them with all their money. And the answer is absolutely nothing. But if those mere ordinary people have God, that's all you need. Amen. It says here, and I, I laughed when I read this, they fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. You know what I saw? I saw all the jet planes, the private jet planes going to Davos for their world conferences, (laughs) to plan and eat their sumptuous meals and plan how they can tell us to eat Uh buttons. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat and devour what they don't own. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings and princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold, for they heap up earthen mounds and seize it. Then his mind changes and he transgresses. And I think we've already transgressed enough over the page. But no, he transgresses here. He commits offense. And the offense is he ascribes his power to his God, which, in other words, it's himself. It's man. And then the prophet asks another question. He says, are you talking to the Lord? Are you not from everlasting? O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. He was standing on the promise of God. O Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. And that's true, that's what we have to remember. God has appointed them for judgment. Bless you. Now, I remember once as a new Christian, and I was a new Christian. I was in my twenties. I was living in Bohol Road at North Beach, and um what actually happened was I'm having a quiet time, and I felt the Lord saying to me. You are going to be called up for jury service. And um, I don't often say, I don't often say the Lord told me, but I can say this because I went out that day, opened the mailbox, and there was a a summons for jury service, jury duty. And um, I got quite excited about this because I knew if the Lord had bothered to tell me, And that day I was going to be on a jury and I'd never been on a jury before and I would have been late 20s at the time. And so I then got before the Lord and prayed. So I went on the Monday, name wasn't called out. I went on the Tuesday, my name wasn't called out. I knew it was going to be called out on the Wednesday because if it wasn't, I wouldn't have to go back. So I knew it was and I went prepared to stay. And... um, it was the case of a rape of a young girl in her own home from a um, someone who was living there. And as I'm standing there and the names have been called out, and this is what I love about the book. He's in every situation. And he said, watch as the names get called up. And every woman that was called up was asked to step down. But one elderly woman came up and she kept her head down. She was very shy and they let her sit. They couldn't be too awful, could they? So they let her sit down. And then a younger woman came up and she had her head down and they let her sit. And the Lord said, have you seen what they're doing? When you go up there, keep your head down and don't look at them. Mm. And so when I went up, I kept my head down and they let me sit. And on the jury... The foreman was an atheist, he wouldn't swear on the Bible, he was an atheist, he said he was, but the summing up. And the mother who lived in the house had problems, moral problems, but they tried to discredit her and the foreman said, if I'd have been living in that house, I'd have probably been in the same situation. And I'm sitting there and they showed photos of this woman and I'm saying, Lord, what do I say? What do I say? Never been on a jury before. What do I say? And when the photos came to me, the Lord gave me his words. Well, if she was on trial, she'd be guilty. But she's not on trial. And I passed them on. They were trying to discredit and distract from the real issue, which was this man was a criminal and why I'm telling you this is when we were on the jury, the judge was sitting up in what looked like a throne, but behind him was a huge red curtain right down. I don't know if it's like that in every courtroom, but that's what it was like in Christchurch and the court that I was in, this big red curtain that went right down. And every time I looked at the judge, I saw the judgment seat of Christ. That was all I could see. The blood was shared for us. We're free. The Lord has made us free, not for our goodness, but for his holiness. His blood was shared. We go free, not on our merit, but on his, not from what we can do. And what got me here when I read this, Habakkuk knew that, that these men would come under the judgment of God. But we go free. And he says, you have appointed them for judgment. But he knew God's promise would go on forever. We will live forever. I mean, no matter what happens, we've got eternal life. And that's a guarantee. Eternal life is guaranteed. And I'm going to, so I can go through the the scriptures the Lord laid in my heart, I'll flick through. But he focused then on, on how bad the Chaldeans were because Habakkuk couldn't understand how God can use evil people to correct his own people. And he said, they take up, all of them, with a hook and he's saying and from what I read the Chaldeans would literally hook into people's flesh put a hook in their flesh to control the people they catch them in their net, they gather them in their dragnet therefore they rejoice and they're glad with what they do to people, they burn incense to their dragnet because by them their share is sumptuous And their food is plentiful. Shall they therefore empty their net and continue to slay nations without pity? And isn't, doesn't that what it seems to be? When you look all around the world at all the different nations, it's no pity, no mercy. At, um, at the Bible study, yeah, just last week at Lois's. The scripture came up, you know where it says, I have told you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires, to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with your God. It says it all, doesn't it? And then after opening his heart, Habakkuk opens his heart to God, he then says this, I will stand on my watch and I will set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he, the Lord, will say to me, and what I will answer, and what I will answer when I'm corrected. So Habakkuk knew if if he didn't know what was going on, it was him who was at fault. It wasn't God. And he was willing to be corrected because he didn't understand fully what God was doing. And then the Lord does answer him. And the Lord says this, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he, man, may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come, it will not tarry. And I believe that was a word for every single person here, because, and myself included, we've all been given promises. And down through the years, where the Lord has given you a word and a word of encouragement. And, you know, I I think about myself, and I think, Lord, I'm 75. Time is running out here. But the Lord says, I have appointed you for a certain job. Keep your eye on me, and it will come about. It will come about in my time and in my way. But don't try and work it out in your human, your human mind, because you won't get it right. Just trust me, because isn't that what faith is? Faith is trust. You see, when I was waiting for the open heart surgery, I really believed God could heal and the enemy gets in the boots and all, well, you haven't got enough faith. If you had more faith, you could be healed. You know, Job went through that. You know, his friends, and they were good friends. You read the book of Job, they came, and they sat down in the dirt with him. They were good friends, and I loved what his friends said. I thought they were spot on. They knew God, but they tried to tell him, you don't know God. If you knew God, you'd be you'd be healed. You'd be restored. And when you're down, when you know what you need and and it's overwhelming you to have someone come along and say, well, fear, we'll say, you'll be fine. It's not what they need. You need a brother or sister to get alongside and say, I know how you feel. I've been there. Hey. Let's pray. Let's pray about this. Hey. And so God is so good. Um, yeah, I had this on my heart. I didn't know whether to share it or not, but I feel to now. Um, when I had to have, after waiting two years, I, I got the message, you're going to have to go through the surgery. And they said I needed a valve replacement, which meant the foods I liked to eat, I couldn't eat. So I didn't really want that. So I said, okay, Lord, you want me to go through this? Lord, please strengthen my valve enough that you can heal it. And when I was at my pre-op, and I said, could my valve be repaired? And and the surgeon said no. And I said, have you ever been wrong? And he laughed. (laughs) And he said twice in the last 10 years, and that was at the beginning of 10 years. He said, look, our diagnostic tools are so good. We can go to the back and we look at the back, and it's your mitral valve. We've seen it, it's ruptured, it cannot be repaired. Well, I knew it had been ruptured, I'd get out of breath, walking from A to B, but I was still able to work. And the Lord helped me work around it. But I literally had to pray. And I'd be talking, I was working in a rest home, and I'd be talking to someone, and they'd say, I'd be encouraging them to go down to the dining room, and they'd say, you don't understand. When I walk to the dining room, I'm out of breath. And I would say, oh, I understand, all right. When I walk for me to be, I'm out of breath. I have to pray as I go that the Lord would strengthen me. And the night before the surgery, I'm in hospital, and I couldn't sleep, and I'm, I I went to a lounge. I didn't put the light on, but I stood and looked out over Hadley Park. And I'm praying, I'm praying for myself, I'm praying for the family, and I'm praying for the surgeon,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: praying for his Lord, guided thanks. And I just surrendered everything to the Lord. Right. You know that your heart is going to be out of your body mm-hmm. and you're going to be on life support. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it in the flesh, it's not good. On the way to the hospital, Steve was driving, And my mind was going on the surgery, and the Lord rebuked me. He had given me a word that that morning, and the Lord rebuked me, and it was a clear rebuke. He said, you can't focus on the problem and focus on my promise. Choose where your focus is going to be. And I had to forget about the surgery. I had to put that right out of my mind. That was God's problem, not mine. And you know, this last year, the Lord's been laying on my heart that I am his responsibility. My responsibility is to obey him. But my life is his responsibility. And isn't that faith? Faith is knowing that God has us in his hand and that he loves us more than we even love ourselves yes. and he loves our children more than we do yes. he he loves our family more than and we can't trust yes. that and so he is going to do everything even when something doesn't look favorable he's going to bring something beautiful out of it and what they we they did at the when i went that day to go into hospital they teach you and tell you what's going to happen after surgery and they took us to an area and they said the day after your surgery we're going to walk down here and down that corridor and there was every so many feet there was a heart stations of a heart and the first day you've got to walk to one and the second day you walk to two and you're on a high frame because you literally can't walk and then you walk to three and then you walk to four and so when I came out of that lounge, the Lord said, I want you to go around and pray around where you're going to be walking in a couple of days. And so I went round, and I hand on the rail and I prayed for strength as I went all around. And when I woke up, my daughter was there and Steve was there and when I came up out of the anaesthetic. And for anyone who's had major surgery, you'll know the feeling. I had no strength in my body. I felt like I was made of rubber. And they take you out and they walk you. And, you know, I'm holding on to um, to two nurses. One of them said, come on, I'll take you out. I said, no, you can't hold me. And yes, I can. No, you can't. I need two of you. And so I had the two of them. And then when I'm on the chair, I want it back in the bed. I also wanted the sides up because I'd looked after people um, who'd had one man in particular who'd fallen out of bed because he'd had okay. surgery and the sides weren't up and he had brain damage. And so I knew I was so weak, I couldn't even put my hand up and stop myself if I fell out of bed. And I'm saying to the nurse, put the sides up. When I came out of the anesthetic, I still had the life supporter. And I'm pointing to take it out. And I wouldn't stop until they removed it. <laughs> and I wanted into bed. and You could see, you know, I knew what they were thinking. But I also know it's a squeaky wheel gets the oil. Hey, hey, hey. So I kept on. And I, <laughs> uh, the day after the surgery, I'm on the high frame. And I walked to one. And then I walked to two. And that day, I walked around the lot.
1: Wow, and the God.
0: nurse was on duty. The day I was coming out, the one that I was probably giving a hard time, she looked and she went, oh, Mrs. Brody, I thought you were going to give us trouble.
1: And and I laughed
0: and I said, and I thought you were going to give me trouble. But you see, God overruled. He will strengthen us physically and spiritually because that's the God we serve. All he's wanting is a surrender to him and an absolute trust. And so I want to get to the wicked. To, no, I don't want to get to the wicked. <laughs> to but the Lord is saying he is a proud man and he doesn't stay at home. In other words, he's minding everyone else's business but what he should. It says here, he enlarges his desire as hell. That's what it's saying here. He is like death and he cannot be satisfied. He gathers to himself all nations and heaps up for himself all peoples. This is about those that want to control the world. Now, We know the plans are for for a one-world government. And I make no excuse in saying that I followed Barry Smith. (laughs) I used every time he came, I would be there. I'd be in his meetings. The presence of the Lord was there. And I now say, Lord, thank you for your warning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for giving us insight. And I'm surprised that a lot of people I knew that would go to hear Barry Smith walked away and are not aware, they're not looking, we were warned back then. Let's Amen. open our eyes. Amen. Not that we should be getting angry and because the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. Now, I'm talking to myself here, not that we should be getting angry I think I can get angrier the most, and I have to constantly come before the Lord and say, Lord, it's your battle. It's not mine. But the the book of Habakkuk, and Habakkuk is saying, you know, I can't understand, Lord. why you're allowing the injustice, and you say you're going to sort it out. I, I don't understand that. I need to pick up 12, and it says this. Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity. When I read that, I see the abortion issue. We had a guy come and stay with us in Timaru, and he, had, he was an AOG pastor somewhere in America, and I'd forgotten its name. I had his book, but unfortunately, I've, I've yeah, I don't know where it is now. It might be lost or given away. And he's, he was at his father's funeral, and he said on the way home in the train, the Lord said, I'm going to give you a word that's going to change you totally. I'm going to give you a word that will actually alter your your ministry. And he gave him a word on the abortion issue and how he will judge the nations according to what nations do regarding the unborn child. And so he wrote a book, The Cry of the Innocent. And he said, the Lord showed him, because it's in the Bible, and I haven't got the scriptures in front of me, but the shedding of innocent blood, God will judge the nation. But our blood's not innocent. The only innocent blood is the unborn child, and God will judge nations on the innocent blood. And he said to the Lord, I can't share it. He was in a big church. He, because he had three women that had come to him for help after having an abortion. And he said, i led them through. i told them there is forgiveness. There is restoration. There is, you know, it, when you become a Christian, it's just as if you would never sinned. Your sins are washed clean because all have fallen. You know, we, we're all guilty of sin. All have fallen short of God's glorious Ideal, his standard. And he said, if I mention it now, they're going to think I'm getting at them. But he said, the Lord said, no, you've got to share it. And his message was shared around America, and he even got to share the truth in Rome. Right. So it literally changed his his whole walk. And there he was in, um, in, in Timaru, off New Zealand, sharing it. Wow. And... Um, it was it was just so great, but I've never forgotten that. This government that we've got now, and it's not just this government, because all the other politicians that were in at the time have said, we're not going to change the abortion court. But even if a baby is born alive, they don't, then that's going to get no treatment. Now that is murderous, that is criminal. And yet the church even stands by and lets it go. Yeah. And I'm not saying Pastor Robbie (laughs) (laughs) does that, but I've been in a lot of churches. And it's basically it's like, well, it's a woman's choice. No, it isn't. Life comes from God. All life is precious and valuable. Amen. And we are important to the Lord. And then I get onto three, and I'm going to just flick through it. This is the prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet. In the beginning, it's a prayer of Habakkuk, and it was a burden. Now it's a song. Chapter three is a song where he's singing to the Lord. And I'm going to, because of time, and I must finish, He he's remembering how they were led through. Well, I believe when I looked at it, how they were rescued in the book of Exodus, how they were they were led through and the, the waves stood up and you took your people through and you weren't angry with the landlord.
1: You know, those
0: things that happened weren't angry with the land. You were angry with the people, but you rescued your people. And without reading it out, he says in verse 7, I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian trembled. Now, we need to seek the Lord while he may be found. We need to call upon him while he is there. While he is there, let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. That, I believe, is the word that the Lord is laying on the heart of every single person. And so Habakkuk is singing to the Lord. And then it says here, a hymn of faith, verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, so the labor of the olives may fail, and the, the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stores, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You know, in, in Proverbs it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm. And isn't that true? When what you've believed God for doesn't come about in your time, you feel sick. But we shouldn't because God's going to bring it out about in his time. And write the vision God's given you and write it down in your word. Take it away. Keep bringing it back before the Lord because he's going to bring it about. Now, verse 19, the last verse, while I was waiting for a scripture, and if any of you are going through a hard time, ask the Lord to give you his promise, his word. And the Lord gave me this. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high hills. Now, I was reading from the Amplified, and I can't remember exactly how it went, but I had an Amplified at the time. And it was words to the effect, he will make me walk on my places of difficulty. He will strengthen my legs on difficult places that I can't walk in the natural.
1: Great. And I
0: will go through areas that I wouldn't have dreamt about because I'm going to go on His strength and not my own. And when I come out the other end, my faith is going to be increased. And because I know that my God can do anything. And I wasn't going to share this, but, um, yeah, I have to. It's just before Psalms. It's the book of Job. But... The book of Job that I never read, and it says here, the whole reason for the book of Job, Job, my daughter-in-law rang me once, oh, years ago now, and she said, I've just been reading Job. How could God send all that to Job? You know, what sort of God is he that would allow that to happen? And I read this one verse to her. It's in the very last chapter, and Job says, in verse 5, I have heard it of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. You see, when you go through a hard time, you see God, and he's in there with you because you've got no other distractions.
1: About,
0: uh... <laughs> because... It's what you're going through. When your life hangs in the balance or someone that you love, you've got no distraction. It's you and God. And I now can thank the Lord because I know I needed that. I was a Christian. i have been a Christian for my 20s. And there I was. I was in my late 50s. I was 59. And they didn't want to do the surgery. They said I was too young. At 59, I thought I was... I was old, i now at 75, couldn't look and say It's all relative, it's the mm-hmm. How old you are. But here is the final word that the Lord wanted me to finish on. This is, I promise, my final word, or God's final word here today. And it's in Isaiah, we all know it, Isaiah 14, verse 29. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk. And not faint. Now that's a promise from God. But it's only a promise for those that wait on the Lord.
1: What a blessing, praise God. Thank you so much, Maureen. Uh, what a special word that we can hold on to. God loves us and is there for us even in the dark and difficult times. Can you say amen? amen. I uh, just want to give you the announcements this week. The uh, Bible study will be at Lois's house. Is still okay with that, Lois? The Bible study.